Perilous Times in the Last Days by Thomas Boston, 1676 to 1732. Thomas Boston was a Scottish Presbyterian pastor from Duns. His fruitful ministry at Ettrick reconciled a deeply divided congregation there. The following sermon preached to his congregation in November of 1731 is taken from volume 10 of his works. In it, Boston describes, quote, times in which it will be hard for people to keep their feet, to know how to carry themselves, to keep themselves out of danger, and to keep a good conscience, close quote. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. In these words, we have three things. Number one, the notification of an event as being future. Perilous times shall come. Not that there are any times in themselves which are perilous, or unlucky days, as the superstitious imagined, but they are perilous in respect of the evil that is going in them among men. That's verse 2. The word properly signifies difficulty. Times in which it will be hard for people to keep their feet, to know how to carry themselves, to keep themselves out of danger, and to keep a good conscience. And this is what is meant by perilous times. Of these it is said, they shall come, with the Greek word meaning shall be on. In the course of providence, they will come upon men to try what metal they are made of, even as darkness comes after light, and adversity after prosperity. Number two, the timing of that event. Well, in the last days. In the style of scripture, these are the days of the Messiah and the gospel. The whole period described in Acts chapter 2 verse 17, quote, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, close quote. And also Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, quote, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, and hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, close quote. It is an Old Testament expression, quote, the last of days, close quote, and days being used absolutely. And these days are the days of the world, running from the creation unto its end. Now the days of the gospel are the last part of these days, the concluding period of time. Several particular periods are contained in these last days, the first of which was the last time of the Jewish state, which began at the time of our Savior and ended with the destruction of Jerusalem. And more periods have followed, and some are yet to come. And from the time of our Savior 
to the end of the world is the last days. Number three, the notice to be taken of that event. Quote, this know also, close quote, or rather, now know this. Which means to, well, be informed of this, consider it properly, and lay it to heart, so that being forewarned, you may be armed against these perilous times. Now we come to the point of doctrine. As the days of the gospel are the last days, so men should know that in the course of providence there are difficult and perilous times coming. In discoursing this doctrine, we shall consider, number one, that the days of the gospel are the last days. Number two, the difficult and perilous times that come in gospel days. And number three, lastly, we shall apply the doctrine. Roman numeral number one. We shall consider the days of the gospel as the last days. And so we may take them up in a threefold view. Letter A. As the last days of the world, the latter end of time. With relation to them, an oath is made, quote, that there should be time no longer, close quote, which is Revelation chapter 10, verse 6. The world has lasted for a long time now. It must have an end. And the last part of its time is not only begun, but we are well into it. The morning and forenoon of the world are over. It is in its afternoon now and drawing toward the evening. And this was in, what, the eight, early 18th century, when Boston was writing this. Letter B. As the last days, or as the days of the last dispensation of grace toward the world, with which God's dealing with sinners for reconciliation shall be closed. According to Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, quote, In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God shall be finished. Close quote. And there have been three dispensations of grace in the world. The patriarchal dispensation in the first days. The Mosaic dispensation in the middle days. And now the Christian dispensation in the last days. The first two are now off the stage, and shall never come again. And the third is now, and after it, there shall never be another. Letter C. As the best days of the world, with respect to the greatest advantages attending them. Well, the last works of God are always the greatest, as you may see in the account of creation, Genesis chapter 1. And so also... The circumstances of the world to come are greater than those of this world. The gospel dispensation far exceeds the other two in clearness, extensiveness, and efficacy because a larger measure of the Spirit has been given to it. Now one may say, have there not been perilous times in all days? Well, Noah's time in the first 
the Egyptian bondage, Babylonian captivity, the persecution of Antiochus, and so forth in the middle days. Why should it be any wonder that this should be so in the last days? And indeed, this is true. But consider the great expectations raised by the Old Testament prophecies of the last days, and the caution frequently raised among the apostles, that even in the last days, though they are great days to live in, yet they are perilous times. And now we come to the use of application. Number one, take heed of how you respond to the gospel. Do not delay in complying with its call. Before much longer, an account will be required of you. The days of the gospel are the last days of the world, in which time comes to an end. And the world must make an account for how they have responded to the gospel. Behold, he comes, quote, from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Close quote. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Number two, you must be saved by falling in with the gospel call and method of salvation or else perish, for this is the last dispensation of grace. It is God's last method with a sinful, lost world, after which we are not to expect a new one. It is the last ship departing for Emmanuel's land. If you slide it, you will never have another opportunity. Quote, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Close quote. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Number three. The contempt of the gospel is the most dangerous risk the world has ever taken, and it will have a most terrible result. As gospel days are the last and best, the better the days, the more dangerous contempt of them will prove to be. The contempt of the patriarchal dispensation was punished by the flood, and the contempt of the Mosaic dispensation by the Babylonian captivity and other heavy plagues. Second Chronicles chapter 36 verse 21. How terrible! will the punishment be for the contempt of the gospel dispensation. The destruction of Jerusalem was the first taste of it, and its consummation with being will be the conflagration of the world. Number four. Lastly, though the days are dangerous, yet there may still be great and good things to be found in them. The best days that Judea ever saw were in the days that went before the destruction of Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit was poured out in such measure as never took place before or since. That's Acts chapter 2 verse 17. But after this, 
there came an outpouring of wrath to the uttermost. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. In these days of ours, there are great things which are not to be overlooked. Learning, the art of civil management in improving the ground and manufacturing have been carried to a degree that has not been achieved before. Not much more can that be said about the 21st century. Well, this brings to mind the case of the Canaanites. And I did say Canaanites, spelled C-A-I-N-I-T-E-S, among whom arts flourished, while piety went to pieces, as you may read in Genesis chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. Nay, there are good things being done in our day. Great and good things. Things which have never been done before in our nation. Again, this is the early 18th century. In particular, the construction of schools for the propagation of Christian knowledge in the highlands and islands. And the construction of the infirmary in Edinburgh. Nay, some glorious gospel truths have been set in an uncommon light in our day. And yet, despite all of this, they are certainly the most perilous days. And this brings me to consider Roman numeral number two. The difficult and perilous times that come in gospel days. Even in the days of the gospel, in which, occasionally, there are sweet and glorious times. Yet at other times, there have been difficult and perilous times. And we must ask, what makes these perilous times? Well, letter A. These times are perilous because an old controversy remains, which has not been taken up. Those that are in debt are always in danger. The Jews were a bloody generation. From generation to generation, they murdered the prophets. And this was an old debt which hung over the heads of the generation that lived in our Savior's time. Matthew chapter 23, verse 31. Making their time a perilous one. It was like a fuse of gunpowder lying within their bowels, which at last came to blow them up. That's verse 35. And so also, good King Josiah's days were perilous because of an old controversy that had been laid in the days of his grandfather Manasseh. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 26. Our days are perilous because of their former iniquity which is like that of Baal Peor that brought, quote, a plague on the congregation of the Lord, close quote, Joshua chapter 22, verse 17. The avowed breach of covenants made with God for reformation, the blood of the Lord's people shed in fields and scaffolds for adhering to the oath of God the sinning against, confining, imprisoning, 
banishing and other barbaric treatment of them, by which this nation carried on a war with heaven for many years. These things, I say, are an old debt hanging over the head of Scotland, England, and Ireland, for which God will pursue them, and pursue in such a way that it will appear to be both for principle and interest during the time it has remained unaddressed. These things are now forgotten or laughed at as though they were something that does not concern us. A stone has been rolled to the mouth of that sepulcher, but though the stone has been sealed, and they have quite forgotten about it, God will arise suddenly, quote, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. They shall not escape, close quote. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. Letter B. These times are perilous because error and corrupt principles are spreading, like liberalism. It was predicted that this would occur in the latter days. Also, not just liberalism, but wokeism. <laughs> Quote, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Close quote. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The fountains that men drink from are poisoned. The faith that was once delivered to the saints has been exchanged for a strong delusion to believe lies. And many are in danger of following their pernicious ways. In our day, there are three dangerous engines of this kind that the gates of hell are directing against the foundation of the church that is built upon the rock. Number one, Legalism. This is an attempt against the grace of Christ, bringing in a scheme of religion that has no relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. It seeks acceptance with God through a virtuous life instead of by Christ's righteousness and by the exertion of our natural powers instead of the influence of the Holy Spirit. By this means the corruption of our nature and the necessity of regeneration. These are buried in deep silence. And those who live by faith, attending to the Spirit's influences and in communion with God, are all branded fanatics. And thus a refined form of heathenism is foisted upon us in the guise of Biblical Christianity. Number two, Arianism. 
Well, this is an attempt against the person of Christ, bringing in a Christ that is not the Father's equal, not the Most High God who is independent and self-existent, but instead, this one is an inferior God who is an arbitrary and dependent being. And this strikes at the foundation of our salvation by taking away the infinite dignity of his person, which gives sufficient value to his sacrifice. And I am afraid that when the Lord Jesus Christ arises to vindicate his own glory, it will be found that the Church of Scotland has not given sufficient testimony of their indignation against this blasphemy. Number three, deism. This is an attempt against all revealed religion, casting off all of the gospel and the Bible as a whole with its way of salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ and leaving us with nothing but the notion that there is a God and that this God is to be served as our reason directs us. And such a stroke was not given against Christianity in the time of prelacy or popery. Indeed, Scotland may and shall say, Alas, for the union with England. With regard to our most valuable concerns, we were going to ruin before, but we have run to ruin since that fatal time. Number C. These times are perilous because immoralities are abounding. That this is the case in the last days we may see from the text. Quote, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Close quote. Look, brothers and sisters, if this is not a description of the year 2022, in your minds, oh, how far off are you from the truth? The opening of the floodgate of impiety and wickedness and the spread and prevalence of scandalous practices, these make for perilous times. And if these things make the times perilous, then ours are very perilous indeed. I doubt if contempt of God, his gospel, 
and all that is sacred has ever been at a greater height. The first and second tables of the law are trampled upon with a witness, so that we may say, quote, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land, by swearing, and lying, and killing, and stealing, and committing adultery, they break out, and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field, and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Close quote. That's Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. God's worship is condemned and slighted. His name is abused and blasphemed. And his Sabbaths are profaned. Unfaithfulness prevails in all relationships. Murders, uncleanness, and marriage vows have never been more lightly treated. Injustice fraud, lying, and a covetousness abound. What can be found among a people, and a people that profess the name of Christ, what can be found among a people to bring on wrath that is not found in our land today? Let us see the scandalous outbreakings among us, and we can see many. And this opens the mouths of our enemies, so that they may blaspheme the way of God. And how few do we see that are truly humbled? Almost always they are more concerned for their own blasted honor and reputation than for the honor of God. And unless it is in those things which demand public satisfaction, people cannot endure to have their faults told to them. Which is why in our generation everyone says, judge not, judge not. They don't want to see their own faults. There are many other things that make the times perilous, including our own such as the hiding of the Lord's face and the threatenings and symptoms of wrath, among which may be reckoned the terrible thunders by which so many were killed on the last day of July this year, the shock which the fruits of the earth endured at harvest time, though providence intervened to spare us in a way that gives occasion for praising his mercy and wisdom, and the murrain that in some places has appeared among the cattle. But one thing deserves particular notice as rendering our time perilous, namely, the church joining with the state in robbing the people of the Lord of their just right to choose their own ministers, and thrusting in ministers upon congregations violently and over their bellies. 
and this is a most ready way to fill the church with wicked men, to ruin religion, and to further mar the interest and success of the gospel, which is already very low. And we can take into account the Jesuit usurpation of the Protestant seminary system in the West, which can be found in any book on the subject. I could show in what respects such times are perilous, and that they are perilous to both the present and succeeding generations, to their souls as well as their bodies, and how they come in the course of providence in order to test and to prove men. Quote, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Close quote. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. Instead, I will conclude by exhorting you to know and lay to heart that our times are perilous times. And therefore, rouse yourself, which means wake up, for your own safety, and be on your guard. Let the peril of the times cause you to join yourself to God in Christ, and keep near him. Beware of worldly mindedness, instability, and wavering, pride and self-conceit. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Strive against the stream if you would not be carried away by it. And that's the end of the sermon.